Holy Father in heaven, thank you for giving us the privilege to be among the living today. Glory, praise, honor, and adoration be unto your holy name. Lord, please take our lives and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Increase our love for you, O Lord. Shed your love abroad in our hearts. Help us, Lord, to come to that position of hating sin and loving righteousness, that your mind may be our mind and that we will love what you love and hate what you hate. To that end, Lord, we commit ourselves unto your care right now. As we go through the words of our devotion, Lord, may it be indeed manna from heaven to us, strengthening, enriching, edifying, and building us up, adding to us that which we do not have, giving us strength to face the battles for today. Lord, to that end, I pray, put your words in my mouth, that the words may be spoken as bread to your children, that we may feed on it and be strengthened by it. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering our prayers. In Jesus' name I have prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage April 21 The Invisible Ally I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Joshua chapter 1 verse 5 Study carefully the experiences of Israel in their travels to Canaan. We need to keep the heart and mind in training by refreshing the memory with the lessons that the Lord taught his ancient people. Then to us, as he designed it should be to them, the teachings of his word will ever be interesting and impressive. When Joshua went forth in the morning before the taking of Jericho, there appeared before him a warrior fully equipped for battle, and Joshua asked, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he answered, As captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. If the eyes of Joshua had been opened, as were the eyes of the servant of Elisha at Dothan, and he could have endured the sight, he would have seen the angels of the Lord encamped about the children of Israel. For the trained army of heaven had come to fight the battle, fight for the people of God, and the captain of the Lord's host was there to command. When Jericho fell, no human hand touched the walls of the city, for the angels of the Lord overthrew the fortifications and entered the fortress of the enemy. It was not Israel, but the captain of the Lord's host that took Jericho. But Israel had their part to act to show their faith in the captain of their salvation. Battles are to be fought every day. A great warfare is going on over every soul, between the prince of darkness and the prince of life. As God's agents, you are to yield yourselves to him, that he may plan and direct and fight the battle for you with your cooperation. The Prince of Life is at the head of his work. He is to be with you in your daily battle with self, that you may be true to principle, that passion, 
when warring for the mastery may be subdued by the grace of Christ, that you come off more than conqueror through him that had loved us. Jesus has been over the ground. He knows the power of every temptation. He knows just how to meet every emergency and how to guide you through every path of danger. Then, why not trust him? Amen. The title of our devotion for today is The Invisible Ally and it's a word of encouragement to us as we go on our own journey to Canaan. The encouragement will be drawn from the handover from Moses to Joshua and how Joshua received his own encouragement. The background to this is uh, Joshua uh, had sent spies to Jericho and they had, come, they had come back and given him the report of the land. Now, after they had come back to give him the report, it was necessary that Joshua and the children of Israel understand and exercise faith in God. Before Joshua was to go to take Jericho, they were on the other side of Jordan, the eastern side of Jordan. They were supposed to cross the Jordan and then they would go to Canaan. It was therefore necessary that God shows his power to the people. We must understand that the people Joshua is taking over to Canaan, Joshua at this time, by the way, is about 80 years. He was 40 years when he came out of Egypt. Because of the 40 years they stayed in the wilderness, now he's 80. The children who are around now are much younger than himself. They were little children when they came out of Egypt. They were some were babies, some were just young boys and young girls, others were teenagers. Nobody, nobody was more than a teenager. These were people from 19 years downward. Is any of them old? The person is just about 59 years at this time. And much of them were little children. A few of them may have had some memories of the crossing of the Red Sea. But a good number of them didn't know anything about the crossing of the Red Sea. Neither did they know anything about the 10 plagues. They just heard the story. But as for seeing the experience, they didn't have that. Even the rock that gave them water, uh, they grew up to see those things. But God wanted to show them his power so that they can learn to exercise faith in him. Reading from Joshua chapter 3, reading from verse 7, it says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. So God is not only showing them power, but he also wants to help them to exercise faith and trust their new leader, which is Joshua. And one thing remarkable for me about this thing is the way God moves on. It's a, it's a lesson for us. God is not attached to people. Moses, as we have gone through his story, I myself was getting attached to Moses. It looks as if the work cannot be done without Moses. But Moses is dead now, and the Lord moves on to the next person, Joshua. And he's ready to work with him just as much as he worked with Moses. The lesson I learned from there is this. Nobody is indispensable. Neither is the Lord's work dependent on men. We must always understand that we are privileged to do the work. If Moses refused that work, the Lord would have found somebody else to do the work just as faithfully as he did it or even more faithful than himself. So it is very important that we come to a position where we learn that the Lord's work is not necessarily dependent on us. Rather, he gives it to us as a privilege. 
many of us like to see the Lord's work as drudgery or duty. Mm-mm. While it is duty, we must also understand and see it as an honor, blessing, and privilege. It was an honor for the Lord to select Moses. It is not that there was no other person the Lord could use. Here is Joshua. He is going to do a work equally as difficult as that which Moses did. And he is going to do the work faithfully too. And the Lord does not see him and say, Oh, I can't work with you. Oh, where is Moses? I need Moses around. If only Moses was around, this work will be done. No. The Lord tells Joshua, I can work with you. I'm going to magnify your name before the people. Why didn't the Lord magnify the people's name before Joshua? Why? Because Joshua is the ordained leader and I learned the work of orderliness. It is not that God could not use any other person after he had selected Moses. But you realize that God works through Moses to the people. Not that he cannot go directly to the people. Who could have, he could have gone directly to the people. But he walked through Moses, magnifying Moses' name before the people. He respected the authority of the person whom he had vested that authority upon, which was Moses. And now, to command the respect of the people, the Lord wants to honor Joshua. It's a very important lesson. Two lessons. First of all, is the Lord magnifying your name before the people? Then, we must remember that you are not indispensable. Continue to do the work and realize that it's a privilege while it is still a duty. And for the people, while they realize the need that God is walking through someone, it is their duty to respect that person as the Lord wants them to. And it is also the, the duty of the people to walk in orderliness based on how God works through the appointed leaders. Going on in Joshua 3 verse 8, it says, And thou, that's Joshua, shall command the priests that bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When you are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, you shall stand still in Jordan. And Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Hivites, and the Perizzites, and the Gigashites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Verse 13 says, And it shall come to pass, as soon, this, this is the way they were going to cross the Jordan now, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priest that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon an heap. Verse 15 And as they that bear the ark were come unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overflowed all his banks all the, all the time of harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon an heap very far from the city Adam that is beside Zaretan. And those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. Amen. So here the Lord did what he did through Moses in crossing the Red Sea. He did through Joshua in crossing the Jordan. So that the children of Israel can see for themselves that the Lord is with them. I wonder how it would have been. There's one song I know that was sung by a vocal union that says, I wish I had seen it. I ought to have been there when all these things had happened. 
when when Israelites passed through the Red Sea. What a sight this must have been. And one thing to learn from here is like we have learned in previous lessons, obstacles will not disappear until you meet them. It was the Lord told Israel how to meet, an, meet the obstacle of the Jordan. He is teaching us a lesson on how to meet obstacles. You don't stay from afar to attack obstacles. You come and meet the obstacle. And as the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, you can't bear, you can't go there without bearing the ark of the Lord. Moses had his rod because the Lord told him, what is it in your hand? The Lord, and, the, and he said, it is a rod. The Lord told him, use that rod to cross over the Red Sea. Same with the children of Israel now. They had the ark of the Lord. And as their leg, the priests had their leg inside that Jordan, it parted and they were on dry ground and passed. The lesson is for us too that unless we exercise faith, if we stay from our farm to meet obstacles and we don't go to meet it headlong, we will not conquer those obstacles. Reading from Patriarchs and Prophets, page 484 to paragraph 3 and downward, we see other lessons that are to be learned from here. After the children of Israel crossed Jordan, they erected a stone of memorial a monument to show to to recognize the great feat that the lord had just done for them so reading now it says these stones were to be set up as a monument in the first camping place beyond the river the people were bidding to repeat to their children and children's children the story of the deliverance that god had wrought for them and joshua said that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the lord that is mighty that ye might fear the lord your god forever the influence of this miracle both upon the Hebrews and upon their enemies was of great importance. It was an assurance to Israel of God's continued presence and protection, and evidence that he would work for them through Joshua as he had wrought through Moses. Such an assurance was needed to strengthen their hearts as they entered upon the conquest of the land. The stupendous task that had staggered the faith of their fathers forty years before. The Lord had declared to Joshua before the crossing, this day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. And the result fulfilled the promise. On that day, the Lord magnified Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him as they feared Moses all the days of his life. This exercise of divine power in behalf of Israel was designed also to increase the fear with which they were regarded by the surrounding nations and thus prepared the way for their easier and complete triumph. When the tidings that God had stayed the waters of Jordan before the children of Israel reached the kings of the Amorites and the Canaanites, their hearts melted with fear. The Hebrews had already slain the five kings of Midian, the powerful Sihon, king of the Amorites and Og of Bashan, and now the passage of the swollen and impetuous Jordan filled all the surrounding nations with terror. To the Canaanites, to all Israel, and to Joshua himself, unmistakable evidence had been given that the living God, the King of heaven and earth, was among his people, and that he would not fail them nor forsake them. Amen. End of quote. The invisible ally indeed there was evidence of someone a supernatural power being with these israelites who were crossing the jordan and you know that the jordan wouldn't have been empty that day there must have been people on the jordan and in with their boats and fishing nets and all of that and then suddenly the water in jordan something is happening to it so they all witnessed it and the news went around 
concerning these children of Israel that before them Jordan parted and they crossed it on dry land. What a news! Now you must understand clearly why the children, the people in Jericho were afraid. They knew about these Israelites and they locked and shut their gates that no one will come in and no one will go out. And before Joshua must take Canaan, he must take Jericho because Jericho is in Canaan. That is a place that he needs to conquer and the, the spies had already done their work in that place. So we need to know something about Jericho uh, so that we understand clearly the work that Joshua was about to do, which we would see. We would see about Jericho in subsequent devotions. But for today, we want to understand the invisible ally. We have seen the evidence now. The Lord showed he was an ally to the children of Israel and it put fear in the people around them, but more so it increased the faith of God's people. But the only way we can see that we have an invisible ally is by obedience. If they did not go to that sea and put their feet in the, uh, the river, rather, if they did not go to the river and the, bearing the ark and put their legs into that river that was overflowing its banks, the river was a big one, so it's not a small river. Don't imagine any small river here. We're talking of big rivers. Think of the rivers around you in your own nation, how big they are. These were big rivers. And this river was divided and the children of Israel walked on dry land. Wonderful miracle indeed to show them that they indeed had an invisible ally. But more than this, God wanted to show them that it was not just about parting Red Seas and all of that. God wanted to open their eyes and our own eyes to what happens behind the scenes, what happens spiritually how the Lord fights battles for us. So while Joshua was thinking about how to overcome Ju Jer um, Jericho, he was walking by himself trying to understand the terrain and all of that. In Joshua 5 reading from verse 13, it says, And it came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him, and said unto him, Art thou for us, or for our adversaries? Here is a man, he's not inside Jericho, he's not with Israel, he's just standing somewhere. Like it says, he lifted up his eyes and looked. So he went to meet this man, wanting to know who this person is, a strange person just holding a sword, dressed like a captain. And he said, Nay. But at, let us see the response of this person. Verse 14. And he said, Nay. But as captain of the lords of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot. For the place whereon thou standest is holy, and Joshua did so. I think that was the end of their conversation. So here, Joshua's eyes were open to see something that he did not know about before. Something they had not seen, not even in the days of Moses. The Lord appearing, showing them that he was with them. As we read in our devotion, when Jericho fell, 
no human hand touched the walls of the city. For the angels of the Lord overthrew the fortifications and entered the fortress of the enemy. It was not Israel, but the captain of the Lord's hosts that took Jericho. But Israel had their part to act, to show their faith in the captain of their salvation. So, the Lord is opening our eyes, though we may not see anyone holding a sword for us, but truly, just as it was for the servants of Elijah and for Joshua, there is always the Lord and his army encamping round about those that fear him. It's a popular passage that we know. The angel of the Lord encamped round about those that fear him. We are told he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Satan, in offense, asked the Lord, Has thou not placed an hedge about Job? Wanting to attack Job knowing that he can't. We must understand that we all have the invisible ally around us. The only reason our life continues as it were, the only reason you can click to listen to this podcast, the only reason you may pick up your Bibles to study it and put it to practice is because of this invisible ally. The Lord with his holy angels is surrounding his people at all times, ready for battle, ready to help and to render strength to all those who would ask and cooperate with him. And I say again, cooperate with him. Without cooperation, the captain of the Lord's hosts, the invisible ally, will not give us victory. He himself is always victorious, but we will be losers if we do not cooperate with him. To add more insights to it, we will read from Patriarchs and Prophets, page 488, paragraph 1. It says, To reduce Jericho was seen by Joshua to be the first step in the conquest of Canaan. But first of all, he sought an assurance of, the, of divine guidance and it was granted him, withdrawing from the encampment to meditate and to pray that the God of Israel would go before his people. He beheld an armed warrior of lofty stature and commanding presence, with his sword drawn in his hands. To Joshua's challenge, are thou for us or for our adversaries, the answer was given. As captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. The same command given to Moses in Horeb, Lose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy, revealed the true character of the mysterious stranger. It was Christ, the exalted one, who stood before the leader of Israel. Awe-stricken, Joshua fell upon his face and worshipped, and heard the assurance, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor and he received instruction for the capture of the city. Brothers and sisters, we are on our way to Canaan. We have our own Jerichos to conquer in the form of whatever temptation that the devil is bringing to us. And it may be different for all of us, but yet it is still a Jericho. The Lord is giving us the assurance to open our eyes and see what happens behind the scenes. We have the captain of the Lord's host as our invisible ally, and he is strong. He can conquer the devil, but the only thing is for us to cooperate with him. We are told in Conflict and Courage, page 117, paragraph 3, but Israel had their part to act to show their faith in the captain of their salvation. Battles are to be fought every day. A great warfare is going on over every soul, between the prince of darkness and the prince of life. 
you know, just to divert a bit, people usually talk, who are, who, who are the princes? We have two princes, the prince of darkness, which is Satan, and the prince of life, which is Jesus Christ. Continuing the reading, it says, as God's agents, you are to yield yourselves to him. So you see, this battle is not dependent on the invisible ally alone. We are to yield ourselves to him, that he may plan and direct and fight the battle for you with your cooperation. The Prince of Life is at the head of his work. He is to be with you in your daily battle with self, that you may be true to principle, that passion, when warring for the mastery, may be subdued by the grace of Christ, that you come off more than conqueror through him that had loved us. Jesus has been over the ground. He knows the power of every temptation. He knows just how to meet every emergency and how to guide you through every path of danger. Then, why not trust him? End of quote. We have battles every time to fight, every day. Today, you're going to have a battle and that battle can be summarized as the battle against self. We've talked about, when we're talking about education, what is it that's the world's problem? It is sin that is the problem. If sin can be dealt with, this world will be a better place. If sin can be dealt with in your life, even in this present life, your life will be better than what it is. And that is the battle we are fighting. Because sin has its power through self, through our own desire. If there is something that we need to conquer the most, it is self. Satan only has power as much as self is not conquered. If self is conquered, that is your Jericho. If self is conquered, then you are bringing down the walls of Jericho. And we have the battle for the mind that the devil is warring against us. And the prince of life, Jesus Christ, is also in that battle for our minds. And that's why the Lord says, my son. Give me thine heart and make your eyes to observe my ways. There is a battle on where our allegiance lies, especially in these last days. As the world is going farther and farther away from the commandments of God, there is a battle as to who you are worshipping. Who will you worship? Your worship, who you are worshipping, is determined and observed by whose commandments you are obeying. The Bible tells us, and it is true in life in general, that you are servants to whom you yield yourself to obey, either of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So who are you worshipping? Who is your Lord? Who are you a servant of? Are you a servant of the devil through sin? Or are you a servant of God through righteousness? This is a battle that we are going that is going on right now. There is a battle specifically. What do you click on YouTube when you open YouTube, when you go to the internet? There's a battle going on. What should I watch? What should I listen? What should I read? There's many things popping up at you. Then there comes the battle. What should I read? And then you have to realize you have an invisible ally and you are to follow his orders and cooperate with him. There's a battle on what you put into your mouth. It's a battle. Many people struggle. Should I take the alcohol or not? Should I take the drugs or not? And then there's a battle of what we inject into our bodies. Some are struggling with the drugs, with cocaine and all other uh, drugs, methamphetamines and, uh, and the rest of them. There's a battle on what we wear. Oh, that sore battle. It may not be for everybody, but there's that battle on what we put on in our, on our bodies. There's a battle on every temptation, every time. But we must understand the advantage we have in the invisible ally angels of God are warring 
and Satan and his hosts are warring in return. The choices we make determine the results of this battle. We can be comforted with the knowledge that the captain of armies is with us. At times, we realize that it takes a miracle to break down, bring down these walls of Jericho, which are the scenes in our lives which we can just summarize as self. Just as Israel had a role to play in this battle, we also have a role to play. What is that role? Simply do exactly as the Lord has said. With us, it is not for us to question how God will bring about the victory when we do what he says. The victory is not in the thing done, but nevertheless the victory will come. And it will not come unless the thing is done. The Lord told Joshua what he is to do in order for them to conquer Jericho. But it is not what they did that brought down Jericho. It is the captain of the Lord's host. Obedience is our sign of faith in God. We must exercise faith in him. Like we saw in the devotion, when Jericho fell, no human hands touched the walls of the city for the angels of the Lord overthrew the fortifications and entered the fortress of the enemy. It was not Israel, it is not you, but the captain of the Lord's host that took Jericho. But Israel had their part to act. We have our part to act. What is that? To show our faith in the captain of their salvation. How can you claim that you have faith in the captain of your salvation when your captain is telling you this is where you should stand, this is the plan and this is our strategy and this is what we are going to do. At the sound of my voice you are to do this or do that. And then when he says that you say no, 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 I don't trust this, you want to destroy me. If I follow your instruction, I see that I'm going to be destroyed and we don't listen. We need to listen to the captain of our salvation for he is the strategist, he is the tactician, he is the one planning it out and we must hear him. He is the one to fight the battle for us, but if we do not co cooperate with him, then we won't get the victory. When we obey God, we open the way for him to come in and fight the battles for us. The captain of our salvation is to play direct and lead us in all our battles. Unseen forces are involved in this war. Satan will arouse all his hosts against all those who are making their advancements towards the heavenly Canaan like you are doing. Like the people of Jericho, he will arouse the world to shut the doors against God's people. But we have nothing to fear. May our eyes be open to understand our role. Remember Pharaoh's battle with Moses? It was a very supernatural one. He was met the first plague, the first thing he did of dropping the rod of Aaron and he turned to the serpent, the, 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 the magicians, they matched it. Then they did the one of turning the waters to blood, they matched it. They did the ones of bringing the frogs, they matched it. But the Lord continued and they failed till the servants and the magicians and the Chaldean and the uh, enchanters had to say, This is the finger of God. But you see that Moses and Aaron were following instructions. Are you following instructions? What are the instructions the Lord has given us today? Um, we will talk more in detail about the orders that the Lord has given us to follow in order for us to get the victory. We will talk about that in tomorrow's devotion. But today, let our eyes be open and be encouraged in knowing that there is an invisible ally fighting battles for us. Reading from Messages to Young People, page 58, paragraph 2, it says, If Satan can so befog and deceive the human mind and lead mortals to think that there is in an inherent power in themselves to accomplish great and good works, they cease to rely upon God to do that for them which they think exists in themselves to do. They acknowledge not a superior power. They give not God the glory he claims and which is due to his great and excellent majesty. Satan's object is, th is thus accomplished. He exalts that fallen man, presumptuously exalts himself. 
as he exalted himself in heaven and was thrust out. He knows that the ruin of man is just as sure if he exalts himself as his was certain." End of quote. You see, in our own case, we have been told what to do. And if we trust to ourselves, and what does it mean to trust to yourself? It means to follow a plan different from that which the Lord is given. Simply, that's what it is. Self-distrust means, I don't think what I'm planning will work. Let me follow God's plan. That is self-distrust. But self-confidence means, I hear what the Lord says, but I don't trust it. I'll do what I think. This is how it will work. What has the Lord said? He has said so many things in his word. Follow everything. That is how you can get cooperation with this invisible ally. To open our eyes even more to see what this battle is like, I'll read from Messages Young People, page 52 now, paragraph 3. It says, I saw evil angels contending for souls and angels of God resisting them. The conflict was severe. Evil angels were crowding about them, corrupting the atmosphere with their poisonous influence and stupefying their sensibilities. Holy angels were anxiously watching these souls and were waiting to drive back Satan's hosts. But it is not the work of good angels to control minds against the will of the individuals. Remember? Battle for the mind. But yet the angels of God will not control your mind and help you against your will. Let me continue the reading now. It says, If they yield to the enemy and make no effort to resist him, then the angels of God can do but little more than hold in check the host of Satan that they should not destroy until further light be given to those in peril, to move them to arouse and look to heaven for help. Jesus will not commission holy angels, the invisible allies, to extricate those who make no effort to help themselves. So you see, we must do something to help ourselves. And what is it that we are supposed to do? Let's read on. It says, if Satan sees he is in danger of losing one soul, he will exert himself to the utmost to keep that one. And when the individual is aroused to his danger and with distress and favor looks to Jesus for strength, Satan fears he shall lose a captive and he calls a reinforcement of his angels to hedge in the poor soul and to form a wall of darkness around him. That's like Jericho now. Forming, building that wall fortified so strong that it is impenetrable by any human effort. And he shuts the doors so that darkness will cover the people and they will not be able to escape. And he goes on to say that heaven's light may not reach him. But if the one in danger perseveres, so that's a quality we must have, perseverance, continue, don't give up. And in helplessness and weakness, cast himself upon the merits of the blood of Christ. Jesus listens to the earnest prayer of faith and sends a reinforcement of those angels which excel in strength to deliver him. Satan cannot endure to have his powerful rival appealed to, for he fears and trembles before his, that's Christ's, strength and majesty. At the sound of fervent prayer, that's the duty, fervent prayer, Satan's whole host trembles. And when angels, all-powerful, clothed with the armory of heaven, come to the help of the fainting, pursued soul, Satan and his hosts fall back, well knowing that their battle is lost. End of quote. As we have seen what is going on behind the scenes, on our behalf, we are filled with courage and comfort knowing that we have an invisible ally. But how many times have we embarrassed this our invisible ally by not cooperating with him and allowing the prince of darkness 
to win us. We must get up now in faith and courage, knowing that we have this invisible ally to help us. In the book of Ephesians chapter 6, reading from verse 10, we are told, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins get about with the truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all sins. Brothers and sisters, written in these passages I just read is your own orders on what to do and how you can cooperate with the Lord, have the truth, have prayer as your weapon, have the breastplate of righteousness, have above all the shield of faith, and then also there is the helmet of salvation. All of this together is our duty. What is the truth that we are to take with us? What is that sword of the Spirit, the Word of God? That is what we are to take every part of it. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God shall man live. Romans 15 verse 4 tells us, For whatsoever things were written aforetime, were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Whatever your struggle is, have comfort and have patience, knowing that you have an invisible ally. Let us pray. Our loving Father in heaven, thank you Lord for giving us the messages of courage and hope today. Thank you, Lord, for being an invisible ally for us. Thank you for all the battles that you've won on our behalf. Thank you, Lord, for all the victories that you've given to us. We have more victories to gain and more battles to fight, Lord. We implore your help. I pray, Lord, that you teach us our duty and help us to exercise faith in the things that you tell us to do, that in cooperation with you, we may be victorious through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank you for hearing and answering our prayers in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.